The remainder of Thursday morning, world-renowned organist Nigel Potts is in town to do a recital on Saturday at 5 o'clock at the Hong Kong Cultural Centre. Joins me on the phone. Hello, Nigel. Hi, Phil. Morning. I love your programme for this. It's, it's uh, extremely diverse, stuff that you wouldn't normally, I suppose, uh, associate with the good old organ. Is this the point to show people? Well, um, yes and no. I certainly have... Um given a very diverse program here with an international flavour. What some people may not expect to hear on the organ is a piece like Finlandia um, by Gene Sibelius. But in fact, transcriptions go back to Bach's time. He transcribed the Vivaldi concertos. And more so in in the 19th century, such works as Finlandia um, were transcribed by the great concert organists of the day for the town hall. Many people couldn't afford to attend orchestral concerts, so they could go to the town hall and hear these um, transcriptions on the great symphonic town hall organs in England. Right. Some people... It's interesting, this whole idea of transcriptions, because unless it says, you know, Mussorgsky slash Rimsky-Korsakov, it's kind of not official, but I suppose in the day they had to do just what was needed for the gig. That's right, yeah. And there were composers, maybe like Edward Elgar, didn't write a lot of organ music, but um, his contemporaries were transcribing much of his orchestral music at the time. Mm. So perhaps Elgar didn't feel the need to write more for the organ with, with that going on. Mm. Let's talk a bit about the instrument itself. I guess it must have been called it the emperor or the king of musical instruments, all sorts of titles like that. But give us a tiny history lesson, if you would. Well, the organ it goes way back. Um, but yes, as you say, it was Mozart, in fact, that said the organ is the king of instruments. The one we have here in Hong Kong was built by Riga, the Austrian firm. It's a, it's a splendid instrument, very exciting, very versatile. So it, this instrument is at home, whatever you play. And um, so this program works well. Everything on this program works well on this organ. Mm. It's been used in various settings throughout its long, long history. Uh, so did, did it sort of start as this um, machine that would blow and uh, in some cases sort of hit things, I suppose, and go in different directions, you know, the, the entertainment-type things, the fairground-type things, of course, the church organs. Right, yeah, well, initially, of course, it was, um, you know, the church organs for the centuries, mm. really more than the 19th century and 20th century. With 20th century, you had the cinemas in America, you get the, the famous Wurlitzer organ. Yeah. Silent films, of course, where um, the, you know, the advent of, pre, pre-advent of recording, um, we had an organist accompanying the silent films. Why, why, why do you think it was that instrument that was used? I mean, yeah, they could have just... I'm sure they did just use a piano sometimes, but it became synonymous with the organ. It did. Well, the organ has so much more variety, so much more colour on it, um, and also the, the extreme dynamics. You know, pianissimo to a huge, thunderous fortissimo. Um, so you have that wide spectrum of colour, wide spectrum of dynamic. So you can create... You know, it's, it's like an artist having a big palette of paint on his palette and just choosing whatever he likes to use. In the organ world of today, how near the line can they go without turning it into a different instrument? They've got to keep the, I don't know, the purism, if you like, of the original church organ. Well, that's a very good question. Um, today, there are a lot of electronics organs being built. Um, some of them are very convincing. To me, they don't really move the air the same way way the pipe organ does mm. um, I don't, they, never, they never will and essentially they are just a recording of a pipe organ um, but yeah there, there is a certain um, advantage to them because of space and budgets for churches mm. um, so they have become quite popular for that reason Did you ever get into the actual making of this because I know it's an extremely skilled area with the, the precision that's needed to tune the pipes etc, is that your bag? No, unfortunately I've, I haven't gotten to that, I've 
really just concentrate on the playing, but yeah. I, I do appreciate what goes into it. In New York, I'm organist of a church there, and we installed a brand new organ three years ago. Right. As an American company, I went to the factory just outside San Francisco um, when it was being built, and it was fascinating, you know, the, the craftsmanship, um, the attention to detail, and the, this company, Schoenstein & Co., um, are very old-fashioned, and everything's done just handmade. As it should be, eh? Absolutely. When did this instrument move out of the church, even a little, to become a concert instrument? Well, I think 19th century, with um, the advent of transcriptions, the, the organ really grew um, physically um, in a more dynamic way with colours, perhaps more than 19th century England. Mm. And that's when it became very fashionable to attend concerts at the town halls. There's a lot of really awesome stuff that was written, you know, in the in the last goodness me, fifty years. Tell me about the contemporary writing, like really, really modern stuff. Well, I mean, I guess the most modern piece I'm playing on this program is a work by Paul Spicer, okay. who's an English um, choral conductor and composer. He also produces all Christopher Herrick's recordings, and he came to Hong Kong back in '97 to produce Christopher Herrick's organ fireworks CD from the Cultural Centre. Okay. Um, that, of course, being the um, the year actually it was the year after the handover ninety eight he was here he wrote the march for the governor of Hong Kong's retreat and he kindly dedicated it to me and mm. so um, that's uh, would be the most contemporary piece I'm playing in the program but it's a fun piece as well I bet it is great to have something dedicated to you as well eh? yeah it's an honour absolutely I don't know if there's a little bit of a tongue in cheek in your program here because you've written a you've got a Takata and fugue but it's the Rega one right. not, the one, not the one everybody expects <laughs> well cause there's more than one Takata yeah right of course minor. of course um, there's also Edwin Lemaire, both a very fine Takata and in D minor. And this one by Max Rego, I think, is just so ideal for the organ, a, a German composer for a German-Austrian organ. Um, and it, this is very dramatic. It's very dramatic. Good stuff. Just run me through the program, if you would. Well, well the program is bordered by American pieces. The first one is simply um, an arrangement by Virgil Fox of the American national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, um, a very familiar tune sung at graduations and and um, football matches, baseball matches, mm -hmm. and things. It's, it's very short, and it's a very sort of flamboyant arrangement, as you'd expect from Virgil Fox, who's yeah. a great um, concert organist of the 20th century in America. And then um, we have a, a fanfare by John Cook, who was born in, in Britain but migrated to Canada and, and America. And it's a very um, festive piece that really shows off the trumpet stops on the organ particularly well. And then we go back a few centuries to Joseph Haydn, the variations on Austria. This is a transcription from his imperial string quartet. And I'm um, sure most people will be familiar with this tune. It's not only the German national anthem, but also sung as a hymn in, in church services. Okay. And then um, Gene Sibelius's Finlandia. It's an icon of Finland. Um, again, a very dramatic piece. The whole, shows, the whole thing, huh? Yeah, it's a symphonic poem of about eight minutes. Awesome. Yeah. And, and that really shows the sort of orchestral colours of the organ particularly well. Mm -hmm. Then March for the Governor of Hong Kong's Retreat um, by Paul Spicer. Has he ever, has he ever heard this uh, since? Has Patton heard this since? Oh, I'm not sure whether... Probably, probably never heard of it, actually. Yeah. Too busy I, I eating custard it. pies. Sorry? He's, too busy. He's very well known here for eating custard tarts. So don't ask me why. Okay, <laughs> yes. Um, so after the Paul Spicer March, we go to the Max Reger Takata Review in D minor. Mm -hmm. is very showy, as you'd expect. Um, Takata meaning to touch. But the fugue is interesting because it, it, it starts very softly and at a slower tempo, and the entire fugue just grows as a grand, gradual crescendo Great. and a gradual accelerando. Um, so it's quite thrilling. 
uh, sort of builds its momentum. Okay. And then Song of Sunshine, this is almost borderlining theatre music. Um, Alfred Hollands was a great 20th century concert organist and composer for the organ. He travelled the world, New Zealand, Australia, America, and he was blind, no less. So oh. quite an achievement. The Song of Sunshine is a real charming, light-hearted piece. Perfect um, for the advent of movies, too, because if he was born in 1865, he's in his 30s when it's just kicking off. That's right, yes, yes. And then, to finish off with, um, Takata on Volchem Hock, the, uh, the German um, Christmas carol that many, uh, sung by many churches all around the world, the tuners. And this Takata is very much in the tr- traditional French-style rapid um, finger movement with a big... Melody in the pedal. So you're giving them a big di- bit of diversity in here, Nigel. The interesting thing is, it, well, the good thing is, it's a free concert, so if anybody wants to check it out, uh, five o'clock, correct? That's correct. All right, Nigel, thanks so much for your time and best of luck. Thank bye you b- very much. Bye bye. So there you go, that's organist Nigel Potts, Hong Kong Cultural Centre, Saturday, five o'clock. Well worth a listen and a watch, actually, if you can.